and uh, we'll, uh, I, I'm on a time limit tonight, today. Uh, I don't know if it's tonight or today, but I'm on a time limit. Uh, my, my good evangelist, Brother Hopkins, has got two mints. And he told me that when I took the pulpit, he was going to put the first one in his mouth. And when the residue of the second was gone, he was going to give me the signal, and I was done. So uh, praise God. He's preaching revival for us. Mom, buy me some mints just like he's got. Hallelujah. It is a privilege to be here with you today. I have come with something to say. You may want to turn the CD off. Don't know that you want to be held liable for what's going to happen around here in just a little while. I uh, love Brother Riggin, his good wife, his family, this church. I guess I am probably the nearest neighbor he has. And uh, over the years, uh, we, we've had good, good, good relationships. And I want to keep it that way. He preached for me not too long ago. This guy's hard to get. You, you, you book him way in advance. And he'll cancel you two or three times and all that. And uh, finally got him to come. And I told him after he got done, I said, I'm not preaching in this pulpit. It ain't no way in the world. So we're going to have revival. So I called Brother Hopkins in. He's, he's preaching for us. And when they get done, I'll, uh, I'll take over. And the folks won't remember how good he was. And then uh, they'll keep me there as pastor. And, uh, but uh, you've got a tremendous man of God here. You need to hang on to him. All these other pastors, Brother Beck Calvert's my friend. He's my nearest neighbor by, by house. I'm going to knock this over short. The older I get, I, I don't know what's happening. I, I get, I just, well, you'll understand when you get past 45. Things happen. You don't have control of your members as you used to. But all the uh, the good men of God here, we thank you for coming. Brother Eccles, Sister Eccles, so good to see y'all. Oh, man, hadn't changed a bit. I know you guys are looking great. Sister from California, man, I am privileged Come all this way to hear me. I just preached a youth camp out in California. I was under the impression that once that was over, that would probably be my last trip. California people. But look at there. God's brought another good Californian and all the other good folks here. Anybody never been in service with me before? Raise your hand. All right. Well, the rest of you telling stories. Hallelujah. I know some of you have. Um, no, I'm not trying to figure out which message I'm going to preach. I already know. <laughs> I already know. We give honor again to everybody here. Let's get into the word of the Lord. He's already into his mint. Would you stand with me all over the building? Now, I am not a good preacher. My wife tells me that. She says it's true. But I am an effective preacher, and uh, I'll take that, whatever that means. So what that, in my definition, what that means is, I've come to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comforted. So, um, you know, I, I am probably one of the only preachers you'll ever hear admit it, but I preach for response. If I don't get it, I get perturbed. I get crazy. I get, I get a, I, well, I get a reputation. And, uh, and I'll make memories for you that you'll never forget. Guarantee you. Praise God. Brother Calvert. I've, I've marked him for life. He still tells everybody that I'm the one that broke his shoulder and messed up his knee and brought all these ailments on him. I was just trying to pray for him. <laughs> yeah, I noticed you're sitting way back. Hallelujah. 
I notice he is way back. Now look, folks, it's, uh, it is daytime. It is uh, Saturday. It's bath day, bath week, bath day. So this is going to be a good day. Hallelujah. So I want you to, to loosen your tie, kick off your shoes, whatever you need to do, just get comfortable because I've got a few things to say. And I'm going to say exactly what I've intended to say. I'm going to say some things that's going to make your hair fly back. Yes, yes, but I'm going to mean them. They may not apply to you, but it is coming from, from the way I am. See, I wasn't born with this truth. I wasn't raised in this apostolic church. I didn't get the Holy Ghost till I was 18 years old. And, and what you see here, the sum total that I am, you folks made me. You're the one that taught me that hero is of the Lord our God is one. You, I got that from you. I didn't come up with that. Uh, this baptism in Jesus' name. You're the one that told me that. So don't start trying to mess with it now. You're the people that came to me and said, uh, Hear, O Israel, the the Lord our God is one. But not only is He one, He's very, very holy. And if I'm ever going to see Him, I've got to be holy as well. So don't start trying to change the definition of wholeness this far down the road. And so... So uh, I have got the reputation of being a monster. I don't, know, I don't know how. I mean, my folks are here. I haven't beaten up on any of them in a couple of days. So, uh, you know, the church is growing. And Brother Regan, I'll tell you, uh, we don't have a problem with teaching them. We just can't get them prayed through. We can't buy a visitor in Bonner Springs. I'm telling you, it's tough times. And I wonder why. Is it the world or is it the church? Just because when Brother Riggin come preach for me, he had me read half the Bible and then he quoted the other half. And I feel like a first grade Bible school student. I'm going to read a scripture. Probably doesn't have anything to do with what I'm going to say, but I'm just going to cover the bases. Proverbs 23 and 22. Hearken unto thy father that begat thee. A good southern way of saying this, you better listen to me, boy, I brought you into this world. And despise not the, uh, thy mother when she is old. Let me go ahead and tell you, young man, the biggest whipping you'll ever get is to draw your hand back at your mama. The, the, the biggest chastisement you'll ever find, the biggest surprise you'll ever have is smart off to her and not realize daddy's standing in the door. There won't be time for prayer. But the next scripture says, buy the truth. Sell it not. That's good enough. I want to talk to you about the price of apostolic freedom. The price of apostolic freedom. Please help me pray. Jesus, we need you in this house today. Lord, it's a great privilege to stand here. There are many men in this building far more worthy than I, but it's fallen my lot. And I don't want to embarrass this pastor, these youth or my church, or even myself, but surely not you, Lord. And I pray today, God, that somehow something can be sparked in the hearts of some of these young people that will bring us back, God, to the place of anointing and power and apostolic revival like we've heard preached about and how the stories are told. Oh, God, I'm tired of hearing and telling about stories. I'm ready to make some stories of my own. I'm ready to be a part of 
those processes. Bless us, everyone. And, G- and everybody said amen. You be seated. October the 29th, 1941, Great Britain's Prime Minister, Mr. Churchill was feeling a little bit nostalgic. That happens when you get older. You, you want to go back, you just would to God, you could go back and eat some of Mama's cooking. You, you would wish you could go back and, and, and just put your feet in the old stream. You, you, you wish you could go back and smell that fresh cut hay. And that's what he was going through. He just endured the Blitzkrieg from Germany. They had laid England almost to ruin. Had destroyed everything that could be destroyed and they were trying to break the wills of the English people. But like rats, they ran into the subways and the holes of the earth. And they heard their homes being destroyed. And they heard all the, the destruction above. But somehow, some way, in the hearts of those people, instead of it driving them away and driving them into the arms of Hitler, there was something birthed in their hearts that said, You know what? They've destroyed my home. They've killed my family. But I'm still here. And so I've got a choice. I can lay down and give up. Or I can remember the price that was paid for all that I endure. And I can make go back and let Mr. Hitler know as long as I'm alive, he's going to have opposition and trouble in this earth. And so he goes back to his old school which was a boys' school. Harrow School was the name. He goes back there and when they knew he was coming, they asked him to say a few words. And he got up and he made this most memorable quotation that we use over and over. It's been, been, been so quoted out of context. But let me hear, let you hear what he had to say. He said, uh, but for everyone surely that what we have gone through in this period, surely from this period of ten months, this is the lesson. Never give in, never give in, never, 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 never. In nothing, great or small, large or petty, never give in. Except to convictions of humor, or honor rather, and good sense. Never yield to force, never yield to the opportunity are the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. And ladies and gentlemen, this man, this drunkard, this nobody, this son that was born unto a, a, a bad situation, he was able to rally the wheels and hearts of a defeated people to a place that, brother, they gave Hitler a black eye, encouraged America to get into the war, and thereby, that's the reason we're not speaking German here today, is because of people that seemingly had suffered defeat said, wait a minute, it's been too much blood split spilled on this earth, this land this belongs to me he says it's not mine and he says he's going to take it but as long as I got strength as long as I got hope I'll fight him hallelujah Another one of his memorable quotes is when he looked at the RAF, those, those fighters that, that drove the Luftwaffe back across the English Channel. He said, never have so many owed so much to these few. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, you young people today, no, this is not a large conference. No, it's not 3,000 young people. But I'm telling you, we're in a battle today, whether you believe it or not. The things that we've always held dear are being shaken and removed and taken away from us little by little. 
world. And I'm telling you, we are in a battle. And if we sit here and keep our mouths shut, if the pulpits remain silent, there will be a day that your children will not even remember the apostolic church that you prayed through in. But I submit to you this afternoon that if one young person will put their foot down and say, Bless God, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving in. I'm not turning around. I'm going to live for God. Why? Because there's a price that's been paid. 37 million casualties in World War I. 16 million dead. World War II, 50 to 70 million dead. 25 million, million military. 52 million civilians. People who just were in the wrong place at the wrong time. In Vietnam, more close to my generation, 58,193 Americans died. That's the ones they could find. Over one million Vietnamese were dead. And one to two million Cambodians died as a result thereof. And possibly tens of thousands that they could not find in that jungle. I guess what I'm trying to tell you is when you look around this dirt, this land, any piece of ground you come on in this world, somebody paid a price. Somebody said, you know what? This is important enough to me to die for. This means so much to me and the future of my family. That if my blood has to fertilize this ground, then so be it. Freedom cost. Freedom demands a tremendous price. I've been in this apostolic church, oh, I don't know, since 1980. Got the Holy Ghost, 18 years old, prayed through in one of the deadest churches in Pentecost. If they shouted once a month, brother, it was a move of God on the pale of crossing the Red Sea. But that's where I got the Holy Ghost. I couldn't live off that once a month stuff. I, I was just too much in, in it to me. I'd go there. I literally started knocking doors one time and the pastor came to me said, you need to quit that. We got 300 folks we don't need no more. I said, okay. And I said, well, Pastor, I'll never do anything to cause you any harm. So I quit calling, door knocking, and just went out and started doing it myself. Because if you got the Holy Ghost, you've got to tell somebody about it. Well, let me take that another step. If you got the Holy Ghost, it's going to leak out somewhere in a good apostolic service. You're not going to sit on that pew like a wooden Indian. You're not going to sit there and look at me like a mule looking at a new gate. Sooner or later, it's going to get out somewhere. Somebody. It's, and brother, it's contagious. When it gets out, it's going to get on another and another and another and another until the church is born into that apostolic atmosphere where God intended for it to be. Whatever happened to the apostolic church, we are in some dangerous times. I've been pastoring now, Bonner Springs, for 14 years. Been a lot of water under the bridge since then. I've got a lot of friends that thank God for good men that are, that are stable, but there are a lot of good men that have preached in my pulpit that today they couldn't step on my platform. 
You know, I, I wonder what happened. What happened? What happened? I remember them. No, 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 no. They were not no, no, a dweeb or someone just coming through the night. They really absolutely believed the message at a time. But something got a hold of them. Something got in their mind. Something broke their resolve. I'm afraid that we may have be raising preachers a generation of young people that don't realize the cost of this carpet, these pews, this pulpit, of this ministry. Well, you know, if something happens to our preacher, we'll get another one, will you? Well, what kind will you get? What flavor will it be? What will he preach? We are living in a time that there is such a great move. You're talking about change. It's not only in Obama's administration. It's in the apostolic church when men are getting to the place where they must retire. And they're turning it over to young men. But the problem is those young men do not believe the message. They believe and they're turning congregations to a worldly, lascivious type of worship. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, that wrinkles my hide to know that this apostolic a truth that means so much is being given away like it's a commodity. We need some young people in this place today to say, Yay, yay, Lord, help me, God, help me, help me fall in love with this truth. Let me get this Holy Ghost. Let me buy this truth. Let me be taught the word of the Lord, but not just taught it in my head. Let me get it in my heart. Let it be in my feet. Let it be everything I am. We are living in a day. That preachers of God have slowed down and teach the church the basic fundamental doctrines that we have assumed for years that you already knew. I'm talking about the price of this apostolic freedom. There is not another man on the planet that loves shouting any more than I do. And there is a fear that's in my heart. I have literally been told at some camp meetings I was preaching. Now, Brother Parker, we just want the word. I.E., don't let them shout. Okay. First of all, folks, I'm a little bit dumb and a whole lot hard-headed. Don't tell me I can't do something. Don't tell me. Because, brother, if I feel it, Shonda, we're going to do it. It's better to beg for forgiveness than ask for permission when you're walking in the Holy Ghost. And brother, we've shouted and talked in tongues and ran and rolled in the floor. My God, folks, we are apostolic. You better be addicted to this worship. You better be addicted to this move of God. Because them that are among us is trying to take it away. It doesn't take it anymore. You don't have to do that anymore. It's not required anymore. Okay, if it's not, what took its place? Let me see just a moment. I'll tell you what took its place. The world. When more of our young people look like the world that are in the than are in the prayer room, we got a problem. 
You know, every pastor here has labored to get a young person to live for God. And it seemed like the more you tried, the farther they got away. And then there were some that, man, you invested all this time and all this price only to have them grow up and feel the Lord leading them to another assembly. I submit to you, they never fully understood the value of what they had. They never understood the value. They didn't understand the cost. Let me just go through some cost for your soul, just a minute, if you will. Getting away from Calvary and getting away from the spiritual side. What about the cost of you getting the Holy Ghost? Somebody's got to pay the light bills. The lights have got to be on somewhere in some church that you prayed through. Most of the time you sit on nice pews. Very expensive. Carpet. Very expensive. Air conditioning that us fat folks have got to have. Very expensive. Music and singers and ability. Very expensive. I wonder what the total price would be of a soul's worth and value if you added all these things up to understand that, ladies and gentlemen, there is a price tag. But what about beyond that? What about your old grandmother who's dead and gone, who prayed every service, God, save my babies, save my babies, save my babies, and you never came. But God owes them something. God owes them a price well I'm just living for myself I'm not hurting anybody really really well I'm just not ready to live for God like everybody else what you're saying is is I don't value it Because if I've got a VW bug in the parking lot sitting beside a Lamborghini and tell you, hey, guess what? This your lucky day. you got a choice. Choose the one you want. You'll never hesitate. But we play with our soul like a shell game. We play with it. Well, they won't see me watching this movie. They won't see me cutting my hair. They won't see me not praying. They won't see me. Yes, they won't see you. But you see you. And you're robbing yourself. Because there's going to come a day when you're going to need God. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to bow down on knees that cannot pray. You're going to open a voice that cannot touch heaven. And you're going to realize what you did. That you prostituted the very move of God. And you're going to realize, oh my God, I'm not an apostolic. I've lost it. I traded it away. I am tired of praying for people and them not getting their healing. I'm tired of people coming and enjoying the worship and enjoying the preaching and not being moved. Have we raised a generation that knew not Joseph? That knew not Pharaoh. That doesn't understand the price. Of 
everything. Let me talk about the preachers just a minute. We got some great men. I'm telling you, we got some preachers in this fellowship. I am the least of them. I'm just a nitwit. But I'm telling you, we've got some guys that can absolutely touch heaven. Name me one of them that doesn't have health problems. Just name me one. Name me one evangelist, one pastor that is not, doesn't have high blood pressure. Who could die in a minute and nobody would be surprised. Name me one. I'll tell you what it is. They're paying a price. They're paying a price. They're paying a price. And when you come to the house of God and they preach to you and you sit there like it doesn't mean anything to you, what you're saying is the price wasn't good enough. What you got's not good enough. I can do better than that. I'm telling you, you better pray for that preacher. Don't you know you bought with a price? You're not going to save yourself. You're not going to preach to yourself. You're not going to make heaven by yourself. You've got to have a preacher. You've got to have a preacher. And not just any preacher. You've got to have a pastor. And not the pastor down the road. Or the pastor on TV. Or the pastor over there. You've got to have a man of God in your pulpit. That's your pastor. I never believed we would, I would live to see the day when people like me were the antagonist and the outcast, the troubler, not of the world, but of the brethren. You be the one who troubleth Israel. Does anybody remember who said that? A backslid saint of God. Anybody remember who he said that to? The greatest preacher walking in shoe leather at the time. But when you devalue this apostolic movement, it's a general devaluation. The preacher now is just some old guy. The Sunday school teacher, just her. The youth department, that's them. And you keep segregating and isolating until finally you feel the hook of hell slap into you. And you want to run back? Please help! And there is no prayer coming from the youth department. The pastor's not in church calling your name anymore. tell you why now this may not apply to anybody else in the building but this is me you can turn the CD off if you want to just get me put in jail you know the problem friend we can take somebody straight out of the world with a needle in their arm a cigarette in their mouth drunk on their feet and we can have mercy and compassion on them But you let one of us who knows better 
waltz up in here with that little lascivious spirit and try to push their sin and camouflage it and make us act like we don't know it's there. Brother, that will aggravate a congregation faster than anything in the world if they value this truth. Here's the part I want to tell you. Some folks are sympathetic toward that crowd. I loathe them. They had a chance. They were born with this in their mouth. And I have the scars of the world. They, they've never known what it's like to be shot at or cut. They don't know what it's like to be cursed out or beaten up. They don't know what it's like. Uh, the worst case they've ever had is the preacher preached and made them mad. And then they want to come in and sit on our pews and raise their unholy hands and say, talk in their unholy tongues and we've got to put up with it. Ladies and gentlemen, let me go ahead and tell you, I'm not going to do it. I'll be as kind and gentle as I can with anybody. But when it comes down to that kind of garbage, brother, I'm going to it. I'm going to point it out. I'm going to address it. Why? Because I want God to know whose side I'm on. This means too much to me. You sit down. What price have you paid for this? See, you you guys have been born and raised in the most prosperous era of America. There is no such thing as poverty among us. As a matter of fact, we have to watch about overindulging. And thereby your parents who may have suffered or your grandparents surely have tried their best to give you things, anything you wanted, give it, give it, give it. So that you wouldn't understand the suffering and loneliness. But elders in the process, we have robbed them of the, of the process of the price. You give somebody something, everything they've ever wanted, and they'll leave it on the roadside. They'll throw it away. They'll give it away. They'll undervalue it. But you take somebody who came out of the ghetto. You take somebody that prayed through out of the street. And when the whole church leaves, they'll still be sitting there. The church starts at 7.30. They're there at 6.30. They're the kind that do radical things like quit their job. If the boss says you've got to work on church night. See, we say we want the old apostolic way. But I profess to you that we are soft. If I preach too long and the hot dogs are getting cold, you'll be able to feel it in the congregation. You're under attack, young folks. Not by the devil. 
Oh, he's there too, but that's not the one we've got to fear. Paul preached more about the beast within than the beast without. He knew that when that strong leadership was gone, does anybody remember where he said they were going to come from? They were going to spring up from among you. Paul writes the letter. Tim, come, son, I need you. Please, Timothy, come. I know you think I'm strong. I know you think I'm the cat's meow. But boy, I need somebody that really cares. I need to shake hands with a man that really loves this. For Demas hath forsaken me. You know why? Because they love this world. Or he undervalued truth. See, when you undervalue truth, not only will you flirt with the world, or to use the terminology of the Bible, go a-whoring after the gods of this world, you will turn into an apostolic prostitute. He said it. When you start having joint services with Trinitarians and try to reclaim and remain apostolic, you are a prostitute. You're not giving it this this piece away. You're selling it. we first came to Bonner Springs they got a, a thing called a ecumenical society I don't think I pronounced that right but either way it was crazy I called it the group of confusion I, they tricked me I went to the first one because they said they'd feed me you, better, you get an apostolic the first time but when I got there Instead of sitting at tables, we're sitting in a booth. You seen those big old round booths? And when I got there, they made me get all the way in. I got three on this side, three on this side, and me stuck in the middle. And then the guy with the shirt on backwards begins to speak. And the whole time, brother, he looked at me dead in the eye. Father Pat. He didn't know it, but he was looking at Father Thump. He messed with me. We just had a praise God right there. Because, brother, I'm sitting there eating my, my lo mein. I love Chinese. And, man, I mean my lo mein. And he's talking to me about the mother church. And the, the Methodist is going, amen. Praise him. The good Baptist is saying, oh, Hallelujah. And brother, all the rest of the daughter works of the Catholic Church are smooching on mama. Except me. And I got a mouthful of noodles. I ain't smooching on nobody. And all of a sudden, with my mouthful of noodles, I get to urge for a little bit of my egg roll. I dip it, and when I bite it, I have a revelation. 
I got to thinking, you know what? 300 years ago, that dude with his shirt on backwards would have set me on fire. I put my egg roll down, spit my noodles out. Because, brother, I could still see it in his eye. He was thinking the same thing. You just wait, you apostolic. One of these days, I'm going to get you right where I want you. And I'm going to be the first one to set you on fire. The problem is, folks, I said, excuse me, I want out. And they didn't move. So I bumped and moved. Bumped and moved. Bumped and moved. Let me tell you about the phenomenal world. They're not used to movement. They're used to talk. I finally bumped them up. Man, I'm going to tell you, I was ready to sing that song. I ain't going to bump no more, no big fat woman. Hallelujah. I bumped them all out, got them out, stood up. I said, hey boys, last meeting, I won't be back. Well, dear God, Pastor, why? I said, because this is the craziest thing I've heard of in my life. And it's, it's crazy enough, it has upset my love affair with my low mane. I said, I'm going to tell you all right now. I have sat down with, here, with you, and I think I've, I've fooled y'all into thinking that I think you're all right. Well, let me go ahead and tell you, I don't think you're all right. And so, brother, I told him, except you're born again of the water of the Spirit, it ain't going to be me who's going to burn. It's going to be you. They pinched up like a hen with an egg broke in her. But when I walked out, you could hear them. It was just eating on me. You know what? Went right back to my church. Told them, hey, we're apostolics. We ain't putting up with that. We're not letting the world in. Truth, truth, truth. Buy the truth and sell it not. Sit down. It's time to eat weenies. I'm breathing. I know this old boy. I watched him pray. His good wife pray. I watched him struggle. I'd come back the next meeting. I didn't have to wonder where he was. He might not have been living like he ought to. But Brett was something about the price. He couldn't get away from it. This is where I belong. I know this is where I belong. This is what I need. I know. In one service, brother, God came down and baptized he and his good wife with a baptism of the Holy... Wait, wait, wait. I know you prayed people through multiple times. I know we get sick of praying with the same person over and over and over and over. But one of these days it's going to click. One of these days they're going to see the picture. One of these days it's going to make it. Hey, come on, folks. Don't give up on them. Pray for them. Don't agree with their sin, but pray for their soul. I am a 
southerner by birth. I was born in northeast Louisiana. Raised there all my life. When I die, I know this is going to sound stupid, but it's the way southerners are. I don't want to be buried here. Now they can fake it for y'all. You know how they do. Have a funeral here. Funerals must be big money anymore. They have three or four for the same guy. That's pretty cool. But don't let them bury me here. I want to go home. I want to be buried with my family. I've been many times to that graveyard. My great my great grandmother and grandfather, when they died, they put their actual pictures on the tombstone. At first, I thought well, that's sort of weird. But then I got to thinking, that gave me a connection. I would have never known what they looked like. And I'd always go and look. And my grandpa, my great grandfather, looked just like my grandpa. Same hat, same clothes. First time I saw it, it scared me. I thought, oh God, Papa died. <laughs> and I go over and look at Grandma Rosa. They had a picture of peace and then one of them together. And I thought, I got to figuring up, how long ago was this? Ooh, they were old. And one day I got over and I got on my hands and knees. And I'm in the dirt looking at their pictures. And it dawned on me. See, I got the Holy Ghost and nobody in my family had it. And I ain't going to lie to you. I felt like an adopted child. And I've got two adopted children. I'm not making light of that, but I'm just going to tell you. I didn't feel like I belonged. So I'm looking at that cold piece of granite. And I get to looking at Grandma Rosa. I said, man, if you didn't know better, you'd think that woman had the Holy Ghost. Got that little granny bun on the back of her head. Who shined out? Look at that. Got them long sleeves. Well, praise him. Got that dress on. And I got real close. Because they got a real close up. And I'm looking at her face. Sort of like this. She didn't grin. She had out of left. But I'm looking at her. And brother, she's standing, not looking at the camera, but looking off in the distance. And I recognized something in her face. And I went back to my daddy. I said, Daddy, God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I said, Grandma Rosa, did she have the Holy Ghost? He looked at me and said, I guess she did. I said, what? He said the night she died, a traveling evangelist had come through with a bunch of kids. They had nine kids of their own. She got them all fed, put them in all the beds. It was her custom to sit in her old rocking chair, pray, and read her Bible. And that's how they found my great-grandmother the next morning. Because when she sat down, God says, Rosie, that's enough. You're closer to my house than you are to yours. Come on home. Hey, folks, it gave me something in the church.
Come on, moms and dads, give your children heritage. Come on, moms and dads, give your children heritage. Don't be a nitwit. Don't be crazy. Come on to the music. I'm done. Sit down. So I'm a southerner. Back when the Civil War was going on, it ended. Lee surrendered at Appomattox. But the problem was he didn't get everybody's permission. Up in this area, you remember William Quentrill, bloody Bill Anderson, and Archie Clement. They were guerrillas sent into this area to harass the Union forces here. Union banks, Union people. Jesse James was a part of that group. Frank, the Youngers, the, the, the Daltons. All these famous cowboys, shoot 'em up cowboys, came out of these groups. And we've been told all these years they were murderers and they pale mail slaughtered. Not so. They only attack pro union entities. That's the reason that when they rode their horses back here, people was giving them a glass of tea and a piece of bread saying, Good to see you boys. Because in their mind, their general had surrendered something that could not be surrendered. And they could not give up. Over here at Lawrence, Kansas, they wiped Lawrence out. Killed 168 men and boys. Simply because they were pro-union. Quantrell and O'Bill Anderson had a little set too. Because Quantrell was tired of fighting. But Anderson said, you do what you want to. But I ain't quitting. And the James boys went with him and a lot of those others. And brother, they were causing all manner of problems. And then bloody Bill Anderson gets killed. When he does, James and all of them, they start off doing their own thing. And so Archie Clement, who was nothing more than a foot soldier way back, it falls in his lap. And he looks around and he says, oh my, oh my. I'm not giving up. November of 1866 in Lexington, Missouri, ballot was on the books they came in and caused so much havoc that the Republican candidate quit and their man got in office the governor of Missouri sent out the local militia to capture Archie Clement the problem was all of them knew Archie personally he was a homeboy They knew that Archie knew how they were raised. And they never dreamed, even though they had compromised, that they would ever be called upon 
to strike at someone who really believed it. But sometimes the zealous among us don't have the most sense. December the 13th, he shows back up at Lexington with a hundred of his bushwhackers. They go in and sign up and join the state militia. And they were so feared that nobody tried to stop them because they knew these boys mean business. They ain't one of them church at play. You go in there with the devil, they going to get him out. They know how to shake and bake. They'll get you. When his boys leave and go out of town, he's feeling his oats, oh Archie is. And he goes down the middle of town to the local hotel that's got a bar in the basement to get him a drink. He's going to wet his whistle. And when they do, this Mr. Bacon Montgomery, who's been sent to get him, says, hey, I ain't going after that nut. I ain't, uh, not me. Uh, You, 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 and you. Y'all don't have family. Y'all go get him. And so these boys go down there on quaking knees, walk up in there, and say, Mr. Clement, Archie, you under arrest. And the history's recorded that he pops his six shooters out and starts shooting, running toward his horse, shoots out, gets in his horse, has not been touched by a bullet. Racing down the street, right into the mall of the rest of the militia with high-powered rifles. And they turned him into Swiss cheese. They all knew him. They knew his mama. They knew his daddy. They'd gone swimming with him when he was a kid. They loved him. And so they break and run up. Arch, arch. And when they get there, brother, you know what he's doing? His arm, one arm is almost shot in two. His shoulder is obliterated on the other. His body is riddled. He's a dying man. But you know what he's doing? He's got his six-shooter and a piece of two fingers left on this hand. And he's got the hammer in his mouth trying to cock it with his teeth to shoot one more time. They kick the gun away. And he's laying there, his fountain of blood spurting out of his body. And one of them was so overcome with emotion. He said, Arch, Arch, man, man, what do you want me to do with you, Arch? And Archie spit blood and he said, you don't do anything to me. But you go and tell everybody, I did exactly what I always said I was going to do. I'd rather die than surrender. And the devil says, come on. Come on, you don't have to live like that. Come on. Come on, it won't hurt to trim your hair a little bit. Come on. Come join our army. Go to our church. 
You know, your pastor's so dogmatic. You know, he's so old school. And we're the emergent church. Come on and be a part of the new thing coming. And if you don't watch out, the devil will trick you one grain, one seed at a time, one doctrine at a time. He'll lead you farther and farther. Farther and farther away. Until you look around and you're on uncommon ground. And when you look around and you don't recognize anything, then it doesn't mean anything to you. And then you just throw your hands up. Walk off. I know this has sounded like I'm a doom and gloom preacher. I'm not. I know that God's going to have a victorious church. I know that. But I don't know that I'm going to be a part of it. Nor you. They say in war that some men give. Then it's said of others they gave all. got children under five years old raise your hand I do too in five years if we don't get a hold of this we will not recognize what's coming oh I won't give up oh will you now when you lose your job a man lost his job yesterday been at that company 25 years they just walked in and said it's over see the devil's going to use every tactic he can well I gotta work I gotta eat I'd rather be saved and starve to death than to go to hell with my belly full thing you're thinking they're going to move off he was happy he said oh brother I ain't worried okay he said I'm not leaving my pastor and I'm not leaving my church you know what he was saying I got value there this this, this price here this is a, a great commodity a pearl to me from my or my wife's body God 
gave me those kids. Guess where he gave them to me? In the church. God's given me a great church and great fellowship. You know where I got that? In the house of God. Hey, honey, you want a husband? Quit looking for one and start looking for him. Hey, guy, you want a wife? Quit looking for one and start looking to him. Seek you first the kingdom of God. Stand with me. Hey, brother, are you through? You meant a little bit more? Oh, you're done. Okay. I just preached a youth conference. Fourth of September. Church runs about 180. Nine of their young men, including the pastor's son, backslid. The church was in a state of defeat. They literally had gotten to the place where they said, Forget them. And I preached to them that night. I was so outdone, undone. As soon as the preacher turned it to me, I never opened a note, got up and apologized for preaching too long that morning. I didn't, but they thought I did. So I wanted to address their worldly nature first. They got kids going to hell, and they worried about when the chicken's going to be ready. And I'm not talking about sinners. I'm talking about boys who just are getting a little flighty. I told a little 15-minute dream. And I said, sir, I'm talking about you. I literally said this. Hell's hungry. And you're next on the menu. And I laid the microphone down. Count them. Six boys in the altar. Five girls on this side. No, they weren't scratching their heads and going through the motions. They wept and cried and pleaded and said, God, I don't want to be lost. They had not lost the value of the church. They just failed to see it reflected in the eyes of their parents. They said, if mom and daddy don't believe it, why should I? What about you, sir? What price have you paid for this truth, ma'am? What price can the devil offer you to get you out of here? Is anybody willing to come stand with me around the front and say, Brother Parker, you go to tell everybody. I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. I started out to finish. And bless God, I'm going to finish. You need to step out of that pew and walk to the front with boldness and say, let them all go. But I've got to stay. I've got to stay. I've got to stay. It's too valuable to me. Is there anybody else? Anybody want to come and stand around this front with me? Grab a fire to turn the order of the service. Are there any of these young people say, hey, not me. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving in.
tears in the eyes of a lot of these kids. Thank God for it. Oh God, please, if this apostolic church is going to turn, if it's going to change its nature, let me die now. I don't want to see it. Gather me to my fathers. What about my children? What about my babies? Come on, sir, you need the Holy Ghost. Why don't you get it? Why don't you get you a part of something that's real? Why don't you get a hold of something that'll never change? Come on, pray. Come on, pray. You don't have the Holy Ghost tonight. You need the Holy Ghost. God will save you. God will save you.